You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Next up on Destination Freedom. And so as we're talking about um, police brutality and oversight um, and justice, we can't forget... um, some of the uh, the lives that have been lost that have not been broadcast live on any you know, streaming app or social media, that the propensity for young black men, black people in general, murdered by the police is about one in a thousand. If that number was the same um, for uh, white people, um, it would be a uh, national crisis. And... Um, there would be all kinds of resources that would be pushed um, to it. As a person of color, you know, I've got a, uh, personally, a one in three chance um, of somehow having some kind of contact with the criminal justice system. Welcome to Destination Freedom Black Radio Day's podcast. Our producer-director, Danielle Betts. I'm proud to share with you a series of interviews with healthcare providers, COVID-19 survivors, and social justice warriors. Next up, my interview with activist, poet, and community organizer John Fertrell, also known as Panama Soweto. John talks about his efforts to rename the Stapleton community. The Stapleton community was originally named after Ben Stapleton, who was a former mayor of Denver, but also a member of the KKK. One of the names that had been floating around to replace Stapleton is Mosley Park. If Mosley Park is selected, the community would be named after John Fertrell's grandparents, John and Edna Mosley, who were pioneers in aviation and politics. John Mosley was a Tuskegee Airman and drafted the wording for the first Head Start program, while his wife Edna was the first person of color on the Aurora City Council. John Fertrell also talks about the problem of police brutality, Elijah McClain, who was a 23-year-old black man killed by Aurora police while walking black. Now Destination Freedom. We welcome into the program now, John Fertrell, a.k.a. Panama Soweto. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you uh, for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm so glad you could be with us. And, uh, yeah, like I said, happy happy Father's Day to you. Today is uh, Father's Day for a lot of people celebrating that. And you were sharing with me off, off mic that this would be a very special person to use birthday as well. Uh, yeah. Um, first of all, I want to shout out to my wife, Sydney, and my mom, um, Edna Lorette, and... Um, my children, uh, both in uh, Solomon and uh, Little River Jordan, our newest addition. She's actually seven months and two weeks old wow. um, today. Um, today is also a really special day because um, my beloved grandfather, 
uh, Lieutenant Colonel John W. Moses, um, would have been 99 years old today. Mm. Um, he passed away back in uh, 2000. Um, but uh, today is uh, his celebratory uh, day, and we um, remember him and um, all of the things that he uh, has given our family, um, including the opportunity to um, continue the fight for social justice and civil rights. Um, especially here in Denver. So, yeah, it's a very special day. Thank you. Thank you so much. And we're going to repeat a little bit of that, too. Um, um, we lost a little bit of that, but uh, once again, let's talk about, uh, we're going to talk about a lot of things today. Let's talk about your grandparents in particular. Um, later on, people will hear a clip that I have from uh, your grandmother, uh, Edna Wilson uh, Mosley, uh, as she talks about her political, uh, just a brief uh, clip about her political career. But uh, yesterday, uh, you invited me to come out to um, uh, an event, mm-hmm. an event that is very special, not only to me, but a lot of people here in Colorado, especially in the Denver area. Uh, there was a mm-hmm. there's a community called Stapleton that was uh, built, some a planned neighborhood that was built some years ago and, and this continues to be expanded upon. But there was a name for Ben Stapleton, who was the mayor of Denver at one time and also a member of the KKK, Ku Klux Klan, white supremacist organization that unfortunately still exists today. And one of the things that people want to do, uh, have been pressuring on for years, is to rename this community for someone, um, anyone, <laughs> you know, someone yeah. who was more appropriate than uh, someone who was trying to oppress people. And um, yeah. someone approached you about uh, renaming and renaming for these special people that you've been talking about. So let's, let's, let's talk about that a little bit and what the history is behind that. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. Um, yeah, in the last week, uh, things have moved um, pretty quickly. The uh, Stapleton Neighborhood Association um, and their HOA um, had actually uh, voted to keep the Stapleton name just last year. And um, part of uh, you know the big controversy about what was happening is that it'd be very expensive to change the name. And some people didn't want to feel like they were being forced to change the name too at the same time. And so... This is a conversation that they've had for quite some time as being, um, you know, one of Denver's newest neighborhoods. Um, And just recently, um, due to uh, the murder of George Floyd, uh, the murder of Maude Maude, uh, uh, Aubrey, um, the murder of uh, Breonna Taylor and so many others and the um, uh, movement and push for civil for civil rights and to, to the destruction of systematic racism. Um, a lot of these old wounds and questions have come up, and um, it just so happens that um, a lot of our leaders and the individuals who are in the movement um, pushing for um, equality um, have really forced the issue um, to be talked about, especially for the uh, the naming of, of Stapleton. And um, more recently, just within the last few days, um, Kay Anderson, an elected official to the Denver City um, uh, DPS School Board um, and activist, uh, it, you know, made a very public call on CNN for um, the Stapleton neighborhood to uh, rename itself. Uh, and because of that very public call, uh, the Homeowners Association had to have an emergency meeting um, to discuss it um, because they now were in the national spotlight um, and needed um, to take a stance. So just uh, a couple of days ago, I sat in on their um, Zoom call um, just as an in a, uh, in a server, and um, they voted unanimously um, to start the process to rename the neighborhood, uh, which 
is incredible. Now, in that conversation, there were no names or possible names um, that came up, but in a uh, Facebook group that's been started by members of the HOA in Stapleton, um, there's been considerable talk about what a new name um, might be. And there was an individual that I, I do not know. He's a resident of uh, the Stapleton neighborhood um, by the name of um, Andrew Reed. And he posted that he thought that Mosley should be considered as one of the names um, to rename the Stapleton neighborhood. And the reason why this is important is for those of the, your listeners that don't know um, the history of Stapleton, too, outside of being a neighborhood before that, it was our airport. Yes. Um, here in Denver. Um, and so there's a rich tie to aviation um, here. Um, and so when Mr. Reed suggested uh, the Mosley name being used, he had it um, in mind that um, my grandfather's history as a Tuskegee Airman and a retired uh, lieutenant colonel in the United States Air Force um, held a lot of weight and that it should be considered as a uh, African-American hero um, with a, a very uh, a rich, um, you know, history and um, background in not only civil rights, but also in aviation and being a trailblazer. Um, and so I, I wasn't made uh, aware of this until a, uh, another friend through Facebook sent me a, uh, sent me a screenshot of um, some of his public comments in this Facebook forum. And I immediately was inspired. Uh, and by the way, that person's name was Rebecca Stark. And so she's absolutely amazing. We met through um, another member of our family, um, which would have been my grandparents' dog, um, Molly, who was a miniature Pomeranian. And um, uh, she had just happened to uh, see a picture of Molly on one of my Facebook posts years ago and made the connection as she had uh, met my grandparents' dog during a, uh, an event that they had at uh, the assisted living um, facility that they lived in um, before both of them passed back, respectively, my grandmother in 2014 and my grandfather in 2015. Um, and so, like, all of these connections have been made through social media, and it really inspired myself and the rest of my family to um, create a campaign um, to change uh, the name of the Stapleton neighborhood, for, the neighborhood formerly known as Stapleton, um, to Mosley. Um, not only because of the contributions of my grandfather, but also my grandmother, um, Edna Mosley, um, right, uh, was just as much of a trailblazer, um, and, uh, civil rights activist, um, on, you know, her own. Uh, she was elected to the Aurora City Council and at large, um, and served for more than 12 years. Um, she was a, uh, inspiration. Um, the Urban League of Metropolitan Denver. She was a project director for them. She um, accompanied uh, Governor Roy Romer back in 1988 on a uh, trade mission to China um, to help develop cultural exchange um, between uh, Hunan province and Colorado as a sister state. Um, she helped create uh, what is now known as COBIZ Bank or Colorado Biz Bank. Um, back then, um, when she created it with a group of other women, it was called uh, Colorado Women's Bank. It yes. was a bank specifically created to help um, women get small business loans to be able to, um, you know, uh, be economically independent and equal. And, um, I, and ironically, my my first bank, 
you know? Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, really? Absolutely. Mine too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but for respect, to, just because of that, you know, uh, uh, always wow. being around strong women my whole life, you wow. know, having, having seven sisters. But that when I first moved to Colorado, wow. that was my first bank. Um, there were other reasons, too, that wow. I, I won't say. But uh, but wow. that was one of the reasons, too. And um, we're going to hear from your, um, your grandmother uh, within this interview. Uh, so we'll take a break right now and, and hear from your grandmother in her own words. There had never been in the history of this city an African-American on the Aurora City Council. But that was not my very first effort at um, political office. I ran for county clerk in Arapahoe County back in the late 70s. Uh, Marjorie Page, a Republican woman, had been she was a real institution, had been there forever. And uh, I'm a Democrat, by the way, in case you hadn't guessed. And um, everybody knew there was no chance to unseat Marjorie Page. However, we needed a candidate. And so I was a sacrificial lamb, so to speak. And I became a candidate. But anyway, naturally, that was unsuccessful. Uh, but the first time I ran for city council, I ran from the ward, uh, my ward here in Aurora, which was Ward 5, and narrowly defeated a longtime incumbent. Uh, but that gave me um, a lot of hope to say, well, maybe there is a chance for an African-American to be elected to the Aurora City Council. And so in 1991, I chose to run again. And this time, I ran at large, and I was elected by a very large margin, and which to me was very exciting because Aurora at that time and still had a very small African-American population. Even though it has grown, the percentages uh, haven't changed too much. So I was elected to my first uh, four-year term in 1991. So I'm now in my third term, uh, having been elected three times to an at-large position. And each time I have uh, uh, been the uh, biggest vote-getter in the at-large candidate. Uh, what's, what is, how does it make you feel? You know, um, not a day goes by that I don't think about um, my grandmother and my grandfather. My grandmother especially, she uh, took a lot of time and care uh, and uh, raised um, myself and my my two other brothers and my sister, um, when my mother didn't have the full capacity to do so. Um, and uh, she, you know, really taught me how to enjoy laughter and how to look for the best in other people mm. and to give of yourself. Um, you know, my grandfather taught me things like, um, don't wait to be asked, you know, um, yes. and if there are um, things that need to be done, you do them. Um, and, you know, don't take handouts and work hard and you can accomplish anything if you put your, uh, your mind to it. Um, they were the people that put those things, um, you know, in my head. Mm. And, uh, fantastic. Fantastic. Now I that think about either of them. The words that you heard that were taken from an interview that I was able to conduct with uh, actually your grandmother and grandfathers uh, many years ago, of course, before their, their passing, um, for, uh, for what Terry Nelson from the um, 
the Blair Caldwell African American Research Library, we've done a, just a ton of interviews with, with these trailblazers, and um, your grandparents were part of that that series that we we developed. So uh, I want to give a shout out to Terry for for that. Um, and I, as I said to you off mic, I will send you that entire interview um, for your for you and your family to enjoy. So, yeah, and, and I think the. Um the the interview itself um, just it really um, hit me in a, in a very personal place hearing my grandmother's voice and especially today and uh, I, I can't thank you enough um, for uh, for sharing that um, it's uh, it's really interesting too when thinking about that uh, that campaign that she ran uh, my siblings and I we were uh, a lot of the footwork for getting those lawn signs out there mm. and uh, <laughs> putting them all around Aurora. So if you ever have one of those Mosley Now uh, lawn signs on your lawn or somewhere near your business, uh, just know that it was it was one of the few trail kids probably <laughs> to <laughs> put them out there. Gr- grandfather would pack up the old Oldsmobile that he had. We called it the the, the Batmobile, the long <laughs> old black. Oldsmobile and he would throw all the lawn signs in the back with the stakes and pile us up in the back of the car at like 5 a.m. in the morning and just start driving us around neighborhoods. He'd pop the trunk. He wouldn't even get out of the car. And uh, I'd have to get out and (laughs) grab a stack full of signs and throw the stakes in and start running around in the neighborhood. Nice. Um, Nice. It was, it was, it was said too. Here's a little uh, inside the baseball. Um, I don't know. I don't know if stepping on any toes now, or whatever, um, but uh, one of the one of her, uh, you know, rivals, um, the other candidates for that particular uh, uh, seat, um, uh, for the at-large seat, uh, we believe, or someone working on their behalf, was stealing our uh, yard signs and using <laughs> the stakes because the stakes were so, you know, they were expensive, right? You right. know, so they were taking our signs down and taking the stakes to use them for their lawn signs. And so grandfather, we would always do like this, basically a, a like an inventory and a, you know, quality control and driving around the neighborhood and seeing where we had put up previous signs and if those signs were still there and if they were, whether or not they had stakes with them or if the stakes were missing. Well, that, anything like that. So. That horrible tradition carries on today because, you know, a lot of times people, those other candidates are caught on the ring, you know. <laughs> stealing mm-hmm. those, yeah, stealing right, 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 right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So if it's you true. had it had it back then, you would have had the you know had some evidence of who was t- actually taking the signs. So <laughs> oh oh wow, it, it would have been a whole different campaign with, with you know with the ring with the ring network and the ring community. Yeah. Right, right, yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. So let, let's let's uh, fast forward a little bit. Let's talk a little bit more more about you and what you, what you do. Uh, we see what the the background is your activism and your, your great strong words that you always have to deliver. Um, all you talk about the work is being done uh, about our politicians and the, these woke politicians, I would call them, you know, Tay Anderson, yes, um, uh, Leslie Haran, and um, uh, uh, different people like that who are doing. Yeah. Candy Cedabaca, Jamie, 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 Jamie Torres. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Amanda Coleman, Sandoval. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we can start going down the list. Exactly. Hey Anderson, shout out to Hey Anderson. You know, we can go down the list. Yeah, yes, sir. Yeah, and uh, because you know, this is that interview that you heard from your grandmother was also in that interview uh, was all about uh, black political trailblazers who have been the first yeah. or whatever to do, and so now yeah. we have this whole influx of people of color in politics. But you can have that, and we've had that before. But this group, 
they're about doing the work and putting in work. Um, so yeah. like you said, let's give, give a shout out to all, each and every one that we can every time. But one of the things I want to talk to you about too, I know you've been um, trying to keep that in the for, forefront along with you, uh, Terrence Roberts, uh, Angel, uh, April, I'm sorry, April. Um, young lady that I met the other day at the state capitol, trying to keep the case of Elijah McClain in the forefront. Can you mm-hmm. speak on that a little bit? Yeah, so for those of uh, you all that don't know um, the story of uh, young Elijah McClain, uh, this uh, young um, man um, was walking through uh, you know, a neighborhood in Aurora um, wearing a mask on his face, and this was before COVID. Um, and he wore a mask um, because he was anemic and said it kept his uh, face warm. Um, the police were called on him walking through this neighborhood. And um, upon detaining him, uh, he was was murdered um, in losing consciousness after being um, uh, put in a, uh, a chokehold. Uh, when the EMTs came, uh, they, uh, they gave him a shot of ketamine. Um, which uh, eventually um, caused his heart to uh, to fail, and he uh, and he died. Um, and so, as we're talking about um, police brutality and oversight um, and justice, we can't forget um, some of the uh, the lives that have been lost that have not been broadcast live on any you know, streaming app or social media that propensity for young black men, black people in general, murdered by the police is about one in a thousand. If that number was the same um, for uh, white people, um, it would be a uh, national crisis. And um, there would be all kinds of resources that would be pushed um, to it. As a person of color, you know, I've got a, uh, personally, a one in three chance um, of somehow having some kind of contact um, with the criminal justice system. Um, and those statistics um, alone uh, in, in any society should be shocking for any group or any population within a, a functioning society, n- nonetheless a democracy. Um, and so when we're talking about um, the fight for equality, we have to start with this basic fight for our lives, for the right to live, for the right to exist when there is a system in place that was created for the sole purpose of keeping us subjugated. And we've never had this conversation as a country. Yes. But right now, I feel that the temperature is turned up so much. And we are so tired of watching our brothers and sisters and our cousins and our mothers and our fathers being murdered, murdered and hunted in the streets that we, we, have, we have had no more. And we won't allow it. And we won't allow it anymore. And I think that the moment that we find ourselves in right now is a very telling one for who we are as a society, not just as those who have been victimized by oppressive systems, but those who help keep those oppressive systems in place. And that our white brothers and sisters and our, our brothers and sisters of privilege 
need to make a decision now as to where they stand as humans, that will they allow their fellow countrymen, will they allow their neighbors to be murdered indiscriminately by a component of a system that was originally created to keep us subjugated. There is no there is no doubt that when you look at the history of the police department, that its roots lie solely in the laws that were created for slave catchers, yes, for absolutely. runaway slave catchers. The same rules apply to bounty hunters. The reason why they can just break in doors or trick you or hunt you down and use any tactic possible. Those same laws that we are to be governed by, the same people that we're supposed to call in an emergency to save our lives, are working in a system and working from a premise that's created to keep us in our place. Not only physically, but emotionally. Spiritually, they were they were created to terrorize us, so that the thought of uprising, the thought of of fighting for our own rights, wouldn't even cross our minds because of their brutality. And that is where we have found ourselves. Right. And this moment is so very important for us to not let off the gas. We do not back down. We do not allow whatever. Uh, 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 bills or legislation might come down from the White House. We know that laws do not regulate opinions and beliefs. That racism is a disease. And unless we address it, face forward, have conversations about it, have dialogue about it, have people openly listen and not just wait for their chance to talk or defend themselves, to not deal with white guilt, or white pity, but have a real human conversation about what's happening right now, until we have that, then we'll be forced to repeat this over and over and over and over again if we won't make any progress. It's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. But silence is complicit. You know, if you are silent about this now, especially now, then you're part of the problem. You know, it is now time Indeed. for your time to speak up as well. And not only to speak up, to take action. You know, yes. action is so important. Our conversations are so important, but the action that follows those conversations is what really is going to make the difference in this country. If we are to have, have, ever have this quote-unquote democracy, this, this quote-unquote perfect union, in order to form this more perfect union, we have to be in this together. Otherwise, it, it was an imperfect union to begin with. Anytime the people who are making these these very beginning are called the founding fathers, and yes, they were the founding fathers because they were father of slaves, you know, right. owners of slaves. Uh, so they right. were very complicit in what was happening. And like I said, the laws were set up that for one right. to be in control of the other. And that was not going right. to be changed economically, psychologically, physically, right. mentally, whatever the case may be. This was set up so another Another human beings could control other human beings. Anytime you call a person three-fifths of a person, right? how can you say that all men are created equal? Where's I the think irony that also, in that? Yeah, and, but the thing, the thing, though, too, Donnie, is that it, there's no real, for me, the way that I view this, there's no real irony in it because the system was never created for us. They weren't speaking to us when they wrote those words. Correct. 
they were speaking amongst themselves. And so the system itself is working. Yes. When we say the system is broken, we mean it's broken for us because we think that we're somehow supposed to fit within that narrative. Right. We yeah. fit in the narrative of being subjugated by those words, by being oppressed by those words. So when people, I, I, I love having these conversations because when people say the system is broken, no, it's not. The system is working to keep the people in power that created it. The system is working for those land-owning, yes. m- privileged white males, period. And there is absolutely no reason to change it other than us voicing our opinions and stopping the system dead in its tracks. Because the system dead in its tracks. The system. Sorry to interrupt. The, the system will continue to protect the system. And like yes. I said, the system is not set up to benefit us anyone other than those original landowners um, because it was written. It was the way it was written. Landowners, that's the only person that had the right to vote. Um, right. Had to have any kind of voice at the table, you know? And so all these right. people poor, who... Poor who, white men. Poor white men also didn't have the ability to vote exactly. or to have any other rights when this country was first being formed. Let's not talk about women. Yes. Let's not. It doesn't matter what color. Let's not talk about the subjugation of women and how right. long it took for women to even gain the right to vote. Let's right. not talk about women's suffrage, right. you know, and, and shout out to women. And, and the women's suffrage movement, you know, it, it, you know, really was born from the abolitionist movement. Correct. You know, with with women, with, you know, really looking at what was happening in this country and saying, we will not stand for this. We have seen this because it's happened to us. We, and look what's happening now. Yeah, the same. Same, you know, and it's and, and you're absolutely right. It just it, it, the system itself, you know, is 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 working its best to maintain, but it, it realizes that it cannot control without complicit people being complacent and then complicit. I want within ha- it. I want to have another conversation like this with you. I want to wrap this up. We got about two minutes to wrap this. Yes, up sir, yes. <laughs> to talk about um, there is a uh, petition that people yes. can, can sign to help with yes. the, the name change to Mosley. Can you share that yes. information with people as well? Absolutely. So uh, two days ago, we um, started a petition on uh, change.org uh, to um, rename uh, the Stapleton um, neighborhood um, Mosley Park. Um, that petition is uh, live on our website at Mosley, that's M-O-S-L-E-Y, now now.ow.com. And when you uh, go to sign that petition, and we're looking for all all people to sign the petition. Um, you don't not have to be from the neighborhood, right? No, you don't have to be from the neighborhood because what we're looking for is a, uh, a collective. We're looking for people who are in support of this particular name, regardless if they live in Stapleton or not. We would love to have um, Stapleton residents, which we do, um, have signed the petition. But what we're looking for is an all-around uh, conglomerate, a, co- a, a collaboration of individuals who feel that um, the Mosley name is a strong name and it's a name that represents something good and positive and uh, it represents a, um, a moment, a moment for reconciliation. Now a meeting that continues the process of renaming Denver Stapleton neighborhood. The campaign is now down to four finalists. They are Central Park, Mosley, Skyview, and Concourse. People who are voting can pick their favorite name or rank 
their top three. Tearing down statues will not destroy systemic racism, but what it does do is it opens up a dialogue for people that want to know more and want to be better in this fight. Mm. Because symbolism matters, especially in in fights like this, which are cultural fights. This is a cultural war that we are in the middle of. And it was a cultural war that has been perpetuated um, by Stephen Miller and William Barr and other individuals um, located um, within this administration um, that occupies the White House right now. And there there are symptoms of this cultural that we have been fighting now for four years at least you know yeah. um in, in everything from immigration to uh, uh to women's rights and the and all of these things have happened it seems like one tragedy after the next that have, that have led us to this which is what america always ends up coming back to mm-hmm. which is race yep it yeah. just never had a conversation about it so in our petition um we are asking for um people to really show some bravery here and um, uh, uh, step away from what they find comfortable and normal um, about how you culture in this country and accept the contributions of those that have been left out of the history books. Accept the beautiful contributions and the beautiful fight that people of color have put in that ultimately benefits all Americans. Absolutely. Putting in the work. Putting in the work. Uh, John Fertrell, a.k.a. Panama Soweto, I can't thank you so much uh, again. Uh, it's MosleyNow.com. Yes, sir. Okay. Sure. All right. And we'll continue this conversation another time because there's never enough time that we have with you. Uh, but that's all the time we have for right now. I'm Donnie Betts, and I appreciate you being out there. Take care. Thank you, Donnie. Absolutely. Bye-bye. Bye. That concludes this episode of Destination Freedom Black Radio Days. Thank you for listening. Make sure you check us out at NoCredits.com and pick up our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. iTunes, Radio Public, Spotify, etc. Follow us at Twitter at Donnie Betts, hashtag NoCreditsProduction, LLC, hashtag Black Radio Days, hashtag Destination Freedom Black Radio Days. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. 
I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.